Shire Fit Podcast. Hello team, welcome to our next podcast. This week we were lucky enough to have in Darren um, talk to us for around an hour all about uh, triathlons, Ironman and coaching. So Darren is a high level triathlete, he's competed uh, multiple different Ironman events and also normal triathlon distance, like Olympic distance races. Uh, he is also uh, a high level triathlon coach and he's been involved with triathlon for a number of years um, and at the moment he's completed his final qualification or high level qualification um, and he is part of Welland Valley Triathlon Group and we've been lucky enough to have these guys in over at Shire Fit, hopefully helping them a little bit in the off season and in preparation for when they go back into their triathlon season. Uh, but for the next hour, we talk about how uh, an Ironman event works and what it involves. And if any of you aren't sure, an Ironman is a 2.4-mile swim into a 112-mile bike ride finished off for a little cool down with a marathon um, which is pretty amazing and obviously all of that stuff is done back to back with no rest and completed as fast as you can um, so we get insight into that about how he coaches uh, and how uh, you know triathletes differ their training and what they try and do and, uh, and especially because of training is such high volume and how they get it involved into their daily programs so it'd be really interesting insight into that and hopefully you can take something away from it. Yeah. training for a, yeah. for a, uh, for an Ironman event that yeah. people often don't appreciate they don't um, you, need, I... you need that support from the family um, you know wife whatever you need you need the whole buy-in from everyone because yeah it, it isn't just about you going and swim bike and running it's so disruptive to the family yeah um, so but that there as you get used to it there are ways to kind of learn you know like early I'm happy to get up at five you know, I do most because you know, I come here quite a lot. So and even before then, I would be up early, jump on the walk bike at home or go for a run early morning. They don't even know you're gone. So you're back in, you can get the training sort of nailed for the day yeah. before the kids wake up and stuff like that. So I found that that was, that's kind of one way that it worked a little bit. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 The training volume that obviously Ironman triathletes put into is just ridiculous. I find, yeah. as in, especially then doing that without, um, Without like, well, you know, not being being a professional athlete, yeah. But exactly, that's, that's work, a, yeah, that's the biggest the thing I've seen, looked into it, and seen people like doing ever so well with it, completing it, but actually thinking they they work in jobs every single day, but they're still training and putting yeah. it all in. Yeah. So so the likes of um, Nikki, who's here today, her and Graham did Ironman Maastricht two years ago. Um, loved it but pretty much said they have no plans to do another one because it was they felt they'd lost so much time with their kids you know their kids are getting older now and it's kind of like you know once the kids are up and away you can't get that time back so they're kind of and because it was two of them obviously from the same family you know so that's their you know essentially mum and dad kind of going off for six, five six hours on the bike but they, they they done well and they kind of managed it but you can understand why they don't want to do it again anytime. I mean, they might do it again, but yeah. they don't want to do it again anytime soon because the commitment it's is, massive, isn't is it? massive. How did you get into doing? Um, what did I do? So I joined, the club had just started at Corby Pool 
Um, is that what, what is it? What's the club called? Is so it? So it's called Welland Valley Triathlon. Yeah. So it covers Market Harborough, um, Corby, Kettering, and basically all sorts of anywhere in between. Um, further south, there's obviously N Tri, so they cover Northampton, Northampton's Tri. Okay. Um, so uh, there was a bit of a hole between there, and then there's Pack Track out at Leicestershire Way. That's another sort of biggish club, um, fairly successful, been going for a long time. They're based out in Houndle. Okay. Out that way. Um, so we're kind of sort of north Northamptonshire and um, probably sort of dipping into Leicestershire. Yeah. Um, so they set up uh, and I was just, I just started doing some of the um, open water swimming series. You know, the British Gas were doing like swim okay. Windermere, swim Alton Water at Ipswich. Yeah. And there was like one and two mile swims. So I I'd, I'd, I'd just started doing that. Um, and then my friend said, oh, there's this triathlon club started up at the Corby Pool. I'm going to join. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm coming, you know, because he, yeah. he was my buddy. Oh, OK. Yeah. Water swimming. And I was like, he's going to get better at swimming than me. So I'm coming. <laughs> okay. So and it turned out it didn't, we didn't have a track or there was no what there was nothing else. It was just pretty much a swim club. And it was a couple of guys who were kind of getting some interest. Uh so I went along and, uh, yeah, just met up with Chris, who, you know, the guy you're yeah. on about. Um, and yeah, we've had a little sort of swim squad develop on a Wednesday night within this club environment. We were we had our lane, sort of a bit of a boys' lane, quite boisterous, but always yeah. good fun. Yeah. And um, yeah, that that that's kind of how it how it turned out um, there. And and then the club just started to grow and start, and, and then I guess the numbers started coming, and we could start doing some other things. Um, and then one of the there was only one head coach, only one coach at the time. And he asked me, you know, do you want to start helping out poolside? So I did. And then he says, why don't you do your level one? So I did my level one. What what entailed with the level one? So level one is, um, it was quite sort of, um, it was quite basic, I guess. It was like, so it was two weekends away um, at one of the training centres. Mine was at Desford. Up in Desford, there was a school up there that we, we basically, we had a triathlon coach um, for the weekend and they taught you all the basics of swim, bike, run coaching. So, you know, um, and some basic principles of, of, of sort of training and what to look for. Um, some very introductory stuff into sort of how you would plan or, or, but it was more around sort of reading a plan that was developed by a more experienced coach yeah. and, and then taking that in um, to you know to deliver uh but you kind of got an appreciation of, of of planning um so that that was all quite good uh but you didn't kind of get into too much depth level one was quite basic and then what happened was i think i because i'd done my level one got a taste i thought well next progression is to move on to level two and it was the same year i decided to do iron man as well so that's okay. that's <laughs> awesome took up a uh an opportunity to sign and think well okay so i need to learn how you get better at triathlon and therefore mm. I'll, I'll go and do this level two coaching as well and i got on i i had a personal coach as well so i signed up with um mary hardwick from inspired to try based out in manton up in up okay near, uh, rockland water um and yeah so did my level two there and then the club started growing so then the head coach left he went off down to work at millfield school okay yeah um, very good school very yeah good school, yeah so he, he he got a new job so moved from desborough down to glastonbury and, and and was working at millfield and i was kind of next in line and it was like all the committee were looking at me going <laughs> well 
you're kind of the next. And I was like, I'll, I'll give it a go. You know, my yes, experience. Yes, yeah. My experience. I don't have. You know what experience I have because I've gained all the experience at the club. So I had two years experience, and I was kind of thrown into sort of head coach's position within the club. Yeah. But my Ironman journey kind of learnt, taught me so much of working with Mary. I I learned loads and loads of stuff. Yeah. Um, and and started really getting an appreciation for 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 training and um, structured training rather than just. I guess a lot of us kind of just come into it and just kind of wing it. And once you actually start following a structure, seeing the performance improvements that you can get from structured training was, was yeah. immense. So, so that was good. And then um, more recently, so after that, so we've got now. I've so what I decided straight away was um, within the club is to get a solid coaching foundation mm. um, because you do become stretch too thin and you can't actually do any part of it any justice yeah yeah you know this story so, <laughs> yeah, all too well, um yeah. and and you know so the the funding was there the numbers were coming into the club so we were able to get more and more level ones through we got a couple of guys step up to level twos um so we now got 10 coaches so me, me and nine others there's there's so i'll be i'll be i'm essentially working towards my level three but there'll be there's three other level twos and six level ones coaches and we're kind of always looking to kind of you know feed a new set of coaches through mainly because we have you know the coaches are are basically the club's coaching you know no one's getting paid we just need to kind of get people turning up to to sessions and i thought well if we're going to grow we need a solid foundation which is going to come from a solid coaching base yeah um so that's how we developed that and um, yeah, the committee are right behind. You know, we just had a meeting last night, and they're like, "Have you got any? Have you got anyone eyed up for the next round of level ones?" So again, you know, we're constantly looking. We're at so when I first joined, we were about there's about I don't know twenty thirty members for maybe two years, and we're now one hundred and thirty four reported last night. So that's fantastic, man! Well done. That's so good. It's gone. It's gone good, and, and and our offering has changed dramatically from like a sink. We had three lanes at Corby Pool on a Wednesday night. We now have four lanes at Corby Pool on a Wednesday night. We have three lanes on a Monday night. We have a single lane swim squad on a Friday morning, and we have six lanes every Wednesday at Harbour Pool as well. So we've got loads of um, swim sessions. We've got the track, Corby Athletics track, on a Friday evening for an hour and a half. We've got, we use the Watt Bike Studio over in Market Harbour. Um, so they've only got 11 bikes, but, you know, we're getting people through on four-week blocks. Yeah. Um, we've got triathlon conditioning here, yeah. you know, um, and and um, that's where that's where I see us really kind of changing as a club to, you know, being a very sort of simple, almost a swim club doing triathlon to now we're looking at, you know, we're looking at swim, bike, run, strength and conditioning. You know, we've kind of encouraged people to go Pilates and, you know, that kind of class and, and really work on some of those foundations. And, you know, we've had a few people come in and do talks on nutrition and all that kind of stuff. So kind of looking at those, you know, those those fundamental building blocks. Yeah. And it's kind of the same for, for, for most sports. But, um yeah, it's, it's it, it. I'm so pleased with the way you know. Looking back, um, in in over six, seven years, certainly for me, not just what I've done for my own, because my kind of competing is is not competing as such. It's competing and enjoying. I get more. Uh, yeah. I I enjoy seeing more of the athletes doing well, and I'm starting to encourage that. So, 
the course that I'm on at the moment is called the um, high high performance coaching program. So it's the highest level of triathlon coaching in the UK, um, and and it's it what it's what used to be called Kazan. So it's like looking for those GB type athletes and um, <clears throat> understanding a bit more. So British triathlon has changed their philosophy, and it's not all about the numbers anymore. There's a bit more of the softer skills that they're trying to teach. You know, so you become more of a I guess the, you know that thing where they talk about life coach but it is more around kind of understanding and, and getting to people motivating and, and yeah. that, that kind of stuff so it's all that all those sorts of skills yeah um that are you know the, uh, that is, it's proven really good um it's so important mindset like we've, we've spent so much time talking about we've done podcasts about in the past and we've been working with the team in terms of understanding how to tap into people's mindset to actually get them to buy into what you're teaching them, um, understand to put them in the right headspace, especially for your for your sport, because I think headspace for your sport is so important because it's a little bit different than doing a small sprint. You're going for such a long duration of time that you have to have a very, very good headspace in order to keep pushing yeah. at that time. Yeah, so absolutely. I mean, because we've got people coming in from... Um, you know different different abilities so we, we could have people just to rock up at the pool and we do it like as the, as the way the club's growing at the moment we'll have people just come in saying i want to do i want to do sprint this year um or i want to do i want to do an ironman so we have to say okay you're probably not going to have to do an ironman next year yeah you know we, we generally try not to say you like, can't you've, do said anything. To, like you've said to me <laughs> <laughs> but um if someone comes in we kind of try and set an expectation but we, we're very um, we're very positive with the feedback that we give and say yeah anyone can do it but you've almost got to there, there are some sort of fundamental kind of milestones you've got to reach before yeah. you can before you can do that some people would you know from a sporting background some people could come in and, and have done when I first did mine you know the compare during the, the sort of the English briefing in Germany said is anyone doing the triathlon for the first time and the number of hands that went up it was uh, it was was massive and um <laughs> you know, to, to turn up at an international championship race for your first triathlon is, is that... It's amazing. Which is, yeah. it's, it's great, you know, and, and you've got to be strong mentally. You've got to think, I, I'm going to nail this. Yeah. You know? If you go in sort of negative, then the chances are you probably, you know, it could be, it could be a hard day. At the <laughs> it's going to be a very <laughs> hard day, yeah. Well, I think, um, especially because a lot of people don't really understand the actual what you do for the Ironman. So people have seen it probably online, seen the branding, which I think yeah. they do very well. Yeah. But they don't understand. So how far is a swim? Two point two point four miles. Yeah, hundred twelve on the bike. Hundred twelve miles on the bike. Nice and easy, and then you finish off with a marathon. Full marathon. Yeah, that's amazing. And then obviously the the fast times. You look at some people putting down like under nine hours. Aren't so you? The, I think the so for Ironman branded uh, Lionel Saunders just done a seven forty four, which um, before that I think was uh, seven forty five. So he knocked a minute off the sort of world record. Um, but yeah, the in, incredible, like yeah. superhuman. You know, and, and they've got seventeen hours to complete. So it's the event, a seventeen-hour cut off. Yeah. Um, on most races, um, depending on, like, they have to sometimes change it based on road closures and yeah. you know uh, whatever the local authorities kind of permit. But generally, the idea was the original concept was you have seventeen hours to complete. Yeah. But like at Frankfurt, for example, that's considered sort of a slightly faster course, and some of the other faster courses, the the cutoff is fifteen hours. So they do they do sometimes bring it down a bit, mainly just 
for road closures and the yeah. disruption that it causes in the local area, they kind of try and sort of limit. But yeah, the majority is 17 hours. And I saw, I was reading that um, it all started from, was it three guys sort of? Yeah, it's, um, it was, a, it was a, one of the um, US Marine commanders was in Hawaii, um, John, uh, John Collins, his name was, and they were sat around sort of arguing who had the, the, the best kind of um, aerobic capacity, whether it was swimmers, cyclists. I think Eddie Merckx was on the circuit at the time, was a really strong cyclist. And then the marathon runners, and they kind of just had a little bet. Okay, so why don't we do? There was there was a well-known swim in Hawaii. There was a well-known kind of cycle route round the island or something. And there was the Hawaii marathon, and he, they just kind of agreed. Okay, we just put them all three together, and uh, whoever wins, we will call the Iron Man. That's and, amazing. And then, that's how it started. And, and that's how it started. Yeah. Um, and now it's like a massive, it is a huge is, brand now, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, and it's taken over by the World Triathlon Corporation, which is, a, you know, obviously a huge brand that's, you know, this race is pretty much every weekend. Yeah. Uh, two, three thousand uh, competitors per race and, and then an elite field, you know, with professional athletes in there as well. Um, it's, yeah, it's phenomenal. And they do uh, half distance, half iron, 70.3, they're called... Um, and they do some sort of smaller ones as well, 50-50. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a phenomenal brand. It's so good, it's, isn't it? Yeah, well, what, what I've definitely noticed from all your team coming in is it reminds me a little bit of exactly like the culture of what we, we have been implementing and trying to grow and continue to do here. Yeah. Is that is that, that group community feel? And I think that's really apt considering that it's such an individual sport yeah um but yeah everyone coming in and seeing them train together they're all there to help each other out and have good fun with it as well yeah. which is really is i said it's actually really refreshing seeing people from the outside come in and have the same mindset after it yeah so uh, it's been fantastic just the feedback from them coming into crossfit as you say a lot of triathlon training is very kind of um individual and and because you're working with your own numbers out on the ride out running um there's not there's there tends not to be a huge amount of kind of team we are encouraging it and have seen it recently grow um like at the track sessions where we'll have groups of similar place runners kind of trying to put, put each other along mm -hmm. you know in a session um but to see them actually doing teamwork like we did today and you know at the, at the crossfit um sessions that we've done here uh, it's been it's really good and the feedback is it's been that they're loving it you that's know, good they, yeah it's, it's it's kind of nice to kind of really work hard um but working hard with with a couple of your kind of club mates as well and other athletes yeah um and and i guess where where the, the shy fit where the shy fit session is different is that it's it's kind of pushing them you know they're, they're comfortable going for hours mm. at, at an aerobic, you know, at aerobic and, you know, using the aerobic energy system and nice pace that sort of all day pace when they come here like this morning and have to push into, you know, I did it myself and, and, and know that you're pushing weight, you know, you're, you're going hard for yeah. short periods. It's really going to, you know, they're really going to see some of the benefits and the strengthening side of things I think is, is so important. A lot of what's coming out of Loughborough at the moment is that, um, or, or from the courses that I've been on is that strength and conditioning because the original concept was strength and conditioning would be a what would be kept to the winter period yeah okay 
but the, the some of the thought leaders at the moment are saying no that's that's a kind of a nonsense okay you might not do it during sort of race period because of the you know time it takes to repair and stuff yeah. like that but almost your strength work should continue throughout yeah. the year so there seems to be a bit of a change in tide around you know strength and conditioning in fact one of the one of the senior coach mentors last week he, he almost put it on the same level as, as like a foundation pillar like nutrition mm -hmm. so he's saying if you don't get nutrition and you don't get your strength and, and 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 your sort of conditioning right then you know trying to then lay you know that trying to then go straight into your swim bike run is is going to be more challenging than if you've got that solid foundation platform to which on you know build um so it's it, i guess it's a similar kind of you know where where crossfit has that kind of that that um you know that pyramid yeah um and you've got those foundation layers working up through it i i, I think it's people are starting to realize that that's a, a similar model for for a lot of especially multi-discipline sports so we're not just running you know run, you know there's that whole concept with you know the specificity and all that kind of stuff where to run better you just need to keep running yeah um, that's been that's been there for years isn't yeah. it people saying that you just have to be so specific to what you're doing yeah. but i think um, yeah that there are definitely it's quite nice now seeing people get a better understanding yeah. of what you can do now to help those different athletes but you see it from here with the athletes yeah. have come in um there's so much you can do with them to help sort of vary different reasons so it can be like injury prevention is a huge one really mm. especially with the amount of volume of training yeah um as an example if if they're if they've got a weak lower body they say they're they say they haven't got the strongest lower body quads glutes hamstrings and they're putting their body through a lot of workload through i.e like steps and things like that yeah. then they, they're obviously making it a lot easier for them to get injured because those muscles aren't going to work as efficiently so it might be things like your obviously classic ones like you hear about lots of like tight it bands hip yeah. issues knee issues and a lot of that all results back to actually they haven't got the muscle strength to support yeah. the support the workload they're putting themselves through. Absolutely. I mean, today when we did, you know, when you did the work with the the, the band with the glute work, constantly um, I'm seeing reports coming in from the physio saying you have weak glutes. Mm. A lot of the a lot of the work a lot of the issues are coming. So either core stability or weak glutes yeah. and things like that. So. All of this kind of work, where we're really kind of focusing in on 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 activating and and and, and working those kind of key muscle groups. You know, a lot of the cyclists become, you know, quad dependent, um, yeah. and they're, they're not using those. You know, and, and and we're starting to see it even with just looking at the pedaling efficiencies on the walk bike. So yeah. there's a lot of feedback that we can get now that kind of is is helping identify the that we're you know that we've got other muscles that we could use and it's almost free speed and we can start engaging those muscles and coming you know getting getting um sessions like this morning that, that will help yeah um, you know and help with the understanding as well because you don't even know that that your your glutes are not firing um because you just don't feel them but when you come and do that simple monster walk with the band you know your glutes are working yeah because yeah it's just a bit of an eye-opener isn't it it's, it's like yeah whoa, okay from a simple band and like what you said to them um is is just some simple stuff pre pre you know pre-race um doesn't matter what you look like it's it's you know there's some of the best runners will you know do their a and b marches up and down the track before they before they do it and it's there's no different in triathlon you should yeah. be preparing those muscle groups for for the work you're right it's not professionalizing that's why i've yeah. definitely looked at it i think um when you look at 
things if I took like looked at some triathletes that I've worked with in the past um, some of the main mistakes really is they're overly quad dominant so they're very very strong from yeah. doing lots and lots of time on the bike because I think traditionally triathletes go to the bike as their standard session um, and then because of that because they've, they've developed so much strength on the bike when they go into running yeah. their running gait is then tailored towards overusing their quads yeah. um, so we've definitely uh, in the past have worked with and as you saw on the watt bike there is understanding efficient cycling so it's yeah. not just about the drive down it's about the pull through yeah. the hamstring yeah. as well yeah, and those hamstrings um, working yeah. and just applying things like pose rep method running into when they start to look at their running efficiency so they're starting to not have to use so many muscular contractions to run but they can actually use a bit more efficiency and gravity to help them run more better so yeah it's a big one but the thing is if you don't know that and i yeah. suppose what you're what you're offering to these guys is now is that next step of level of coaching and really giving them the sort of that professional setup yeah um which i think is definitely un underrated in terms of people just saying oh, i'm gonna go and do a triathlon but actually yeah. having some guidance is so important one of the key things that I found is, is in my kind of journey on the triathlon coaching is is using the network of coaches around, you know, so there will be people who can really help. And it's probably one of the most important things I've learned is that <clears throat> don't kind of think that you know everything or, or, mm. or, or, or try and learn everything because you, there's just too much stuff to learn. But use the use you know use your other coaching network, and that's I'm 100% behind that. You know we we've kind of started getting people involved with coaches, you know cycling specific, then strength and conditioning specific. So, you know we've got um, access to uh, an endless pool where we've got cameras all over the place, and we've got a swim coach who can kind of analyze, you know what what you know stroke uh, stroke correction techniques and all that kind of stuff. So really trying to lift the game if you like across yeah. in terms of the analysis of, of not just going out and beasting yourself that's not what it's all about it's actually efficiencies and, and putting you avoiding injury so if we can get if we can get that right not only will you go quicker potentially you know, hopefully we carry on but it's the consistency you can maintain by not being injured yeah you know that's that's like the key, the key yeah the key mate, yeah i completely agree i think that's you know actually that was a definitely back in maybe not so much now but back in the day it was also with crossfit whereas like it was crossfit or nothing so they saw bodybuilding they saw triathletes long distance runners like yeah. rubbish 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 and not interested in it yeah but now actually um and that's exactly how i learned was trialing different training methods for ages and then yeah. slowly put them into a program and you've probably seen what we do we include aerobic base work yeah. strength and conditioning the traditional crossfit workouts mm. um bodybuilding speed work yeah. all those things that are going to try and make it as all round as possible and i think that was one of the questions i think you you put on here was about about like very crossfit training versus being really specific yeah. say to triathlon mm -hmm. and um something i learned relatively quickly was if we were really specific to say just crossfit training we'd start to see quite a few like injuries and okay. things and imbalances um just within training and it's maybe a little bit like for instance some of the triathletes will start to see you'll see they're like one side dominant compared to the other and they start to get niggles out it's the same with crossfit and we've right. talked about in the past of like issues that become of that so um I suppose then me, I was starting to look at bringing other sort of variations of training into the model to support it and build, like you said, the foundations. I think the big foundation for me is building strength. Yeah. And there's a lot of athletes who try and jump into these movements that actually they need to build strength first okay. before they go into it. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, you said about energy systems and where we train and what energy systems we use. Uh, I don't know if you've listened to a past podcast where I've talked about, um, I call it like the elevator shaft to block performance. So okay. 
the aim really is uh, for you to carry on going at the shaft you keep need to maintain balance within your training program yeah. and whenever there isn't you're going to obviously start to scrape at the sides and not continue okay. to go up. Yeah. And one of the corners of, of the elevator is actually energy system training. Right. Um, and it was a big thing I noticed with, say, CrossFitters, that sometimes they would just train one energy system, a bit like, say, triathletes. Yeah. And as you can see from what we're doing here now, we're doing loads of anaerobic work yeah. with them yeah. because we know they're really good at aerobic yeah. work. Yeah. And the problem we have, say, with just based aerobic work is that if when they they build their aerobic base massively, but their anaerobic base will stay the same, so it very rarely improves with their aerobic training. Whereas if we if we do the vice versa and train anaerobically, their aerobic base will continue to improve yeah. as well. Yeah. So um, and I, and I think there's definitely a room for say triathletes to add in some intense work. Yeah. But then you have to have a good understanding of actually, no, their sport is all aerobic base. Yeah. Um, so it's about balance within the program. Yeah. Um, I think it all depends on, for instance, if you're doing like Ironman training, sprint triathlon, Olympic yeah. triathlon distance. So obviously sprint would allow you to, I mean, sprint is going to take you up because it's short period mm. and it's like, you know, threshold effort pretty much for the whole hour or whatever you're doing. You're going to be, you know, you're going to be swimming hard, you're going to be cycling hard, you're going to be running hard, you know, to, to, to get, uh, you know, to do well on that. It's very different even within triathlon to obviously winding the intensity back significantly to doing Ironman and being out there for 10, 11, 12, up to 17 hours, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's very different. So even within our own sport, we kind of, we have to change the intensity. And, and uh, one of the things that I mentioned, um, I think is, the, or, or getting an understanding is whether you guys have any kind of, we use a concept obviously called periodization and, and, it, and it's quite a, sort of a clear, kind of path of, of how you should essentially approach your triathlon season with a solid sort of um, base uh, aerobic work, so low intensity, mm -hmm. but going for longer and building that solid base in the early part and then starting to build in the speed and the intensity as you get closer to a sort of race period. Is there anything, do you, you know, when you're planning or programming your your uh, CrossFit uh, sessions, do you have, do you use like a periodization yeah. type model? Yeah. 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 So we do it re relatively general now in terms of our aim for everyone that walks through the doors is to continue to get better mm -hmm. and build their general fitness. Uh, but we do actually have periodization built within that. So every we, we period into three month blocks. Okay. But for instance, if you came to me and you're like, I want to do this CrossFit competition and we want to follow your own programming. Right then we can make it really specific to that one moment. Yeah. Um, in terms of how we do it, so like you said, it, I think it's different for the group format of what we do here. But in the group format, um, we have to work with having one person in three to five times a week, having that one hour session. Yeah. So the way we program, say like for instance, we'll program on Monday to Friday sessions. Earlier on in the program, we'll build a foundation. So you'll find there's often lots of like hypertrophy strength, which is often like muscle building, basic strength level. Yeah. So you can have someone that's come in that's got no strength sort of base whatsoever. And if you start having them do lots and lots of heavy back squats, just like say heavy singles, yeah. they probably haven't developed the body yet in order to right. deal with that loading, but mm -hmm. they might be able to get closer to loading that load. Whereas at the start of a cycle, if we can have them working through reps of a lighter load, 
they're probably going to train themselves better ready for later on in the cycle. So we do that a lot. So we basically work low percentage weights at the start of the cycle with high, high reps. Mm. So that's that like, you know, you see all that muscle burn where you go to your fatigue yeah. and things. Yeah. And basically those things cross over as we work through those three months. So later on throughout the program, the percentages increase. So we slowly get heavier yeah. Yeah. and the reps slowly come down. So you'll yeah. find that in the middle of the cycle, we're then touching onto more power S work. Okay. So we're looking at like uh, three to seven reps of strength work, yeah. say, where this is just pure strength work. And then as we get later on in the program, then we start to peak. So we then bring them up to around 90 to 95%. Yeah. Often people start PB in there as well, especially yeah. because we're not training pro athletes that have trained for a long time. Yeah. People often be hitting their pbs okay, already yeah. we then deload them a bit like you were doing a lead yeah. up to like a competition yeah. so you'll notice and we do it hidden really so people don't realize what they're doing right. and then they go into like okay today's session you're gonna max out okay. and um the only thing i suppose is different from what we do maybe to what you guys do is um people that walk through the door every single person walk through that door is gonna be different yeah. in the sense that they've got a different job different stresses different nutrition different sleep patterns they haven't trained as much as someone else that's been yeah, in throughout sure. a cycle so you often build different results so um, you have to also be open to understanding that sometimes on PB days you probably not might not PB but you'll find in a few weeks when we're testing out the heavier loads yeah. you'll actually suddenly hit it yeah. so that's the strength work in terms of workouts and progression throughout that we try and keep the vet like the very approach as you said there and I suppose a varied the big thing with CrossFit was um, especially when it first started was that people compare they said varied was just random yeah but it's at, and that was definitely the big thing and the yeah, big battle right, and I, you yeah, know yeah. and I've, I've done loads and loads of research into like understanding workouts and how we try and put them in but basically we look at time frame yeah so we look at time frame of the workout is and we can look at the movements mm-hmm. what we want to try and do where we can get basically most bang for our buck from an individual we want to work their anaerobic base anaerobic base and i suppose the important thing is people think energy systems and they don't realize they all work at the same time yeah so yeah, yeah your phosphogen systems can be working yeah. as well as your so when you get hit a hill and you want to start driving that hill on a bike yeah. your phosphogen system yes it's only going to last like eight ten seconds it's still going to be kicking in trying to help you out there then your lactic system is going to help you, which just helps you that burn yeah. when you get on the hill. And then you obviously you're back on the flat and you try and sit in your aerobic yeah. base again. Yeah. So they're always working yeah. uh, proactively. So for instance, if we have like a seven minute workout, I would say predominantly you're going to be sitting in that lactic threshold yeah. for a lot of that workout, which is that intense. And then that aerobic base is going to come in when you start losing all that power yeah. you've got. So seven minutes, seven to about 10 minutes, as you say, is the optimum time that we can get most bang for our buck. Right. But we also need variation between the between the balance. Yeah. So over those 12 weeks, what we'll look at is uh, how many workouts sit between each time bracket. So we usually go 0 to 3, 3 to 5, 5 to 7, um, 7 to 12, 12 to 15, 15 to 20, 20 plus, yeah. and we'll look at those time variables. What we look for in a graph really is that it stays relatively low around the three minute mark, it picks up quite high for the seven, and then just sort of just goes off a little bit and plateaus out towards the later workouts. Right. So our time frame workouts will sit between, most of them between seven, five to seven, and about 20, and we'll try and work in between those, low, in between that work. Mm-hmm. Throughout the, um, throughout sort of the program, the aim really is to try and keep it relative to the workouts general. So they're not then so in terms of peaking, unless you're doing like a specific competition, we won't peak you for workouts. What you'll find is the strength work will elicit and help you during yeah. the workouts and your actual training throughout them will help you later when we go to test. Yeah. Um, what do we look for in workouts? 
genuinely I look for intensity, so how much we can put intensity we can pull out. So we can measure intensity through power output. Yeah. Power output can be measured through body weight, movements you're doing, range of motions yeah. you're creating. Um, easy ways to create the most power output is to try and get rid of any kind of skill. For instance, if we, let's say, we have some workout that's something like keeping pull-ups and handstand push-ups. Yeah. That, for one of those members that hasn't got those movements yet, the intensity is not going to be as high yeah. as it would be if I said to you, you're going to do a power clean or a hang power clean. It's simulating the pull-up motion in terms yeah. of a pull movement and a push press. And you're going to create more intensity through that because the skill's lower. Yeah. Um, we want to probably get rid of eccentric load, which I think is why people naturally move towards cycling triathletes because eccentric load is going to create more fatigue in an athlete, yeah. whereas concentric's not. Obviously, cycling, for most people, unless they're quite efficient with their pull, yeah. is going to be all concentric. Yeah. So that's yeah. why a lot of people do lots of cycling and don't ache. Yeah. And that's why I find that a lot of triathletes and cyclists tend to really enjoy their sport because they don't get that muscular fatigue as yeah. bad as they do from when they go running, say, when there is quite yeah. a bit of eccentric load. Yeah, so that that's that, that definitely is the case. When we see um, on, a, on a Saturday morning, for example, um, Strava will be listed and, and they'll be moaning about the track session the night <laughs> before. And, and, but yeah, when they're quite happy to go out and, and ride for hours on the Sunday. Yeah. yeah so it, it, it is... Yeah, they they tend to. It's one of those things where you got to try and educate to, to almost moving out of what's comfortable for for me. For example, running is is diff, I find running sort of my limiter. Yeah. And and for years I've just carried on swimming, and now I'm trying to focus on the running, and, and I'm trying to sort of say, well, you know, guys, this is what we need to be doing is looking at those bits that are uncomfortable. And, yeah. And, and kind of working those. Which is very very difficult in in like an event like yourself where you got such high volume of work that you need to do with that yeah. specific thing that's what i think is um is good with crossfit in terms of it makes it constant like that constantly varied movement patterns although the movements are varied the output's the same yeah okay. so for instance if we do i don't know if we do rowing and we do running although the movements are different yeah. the output we're trying to get to in terms of energy system yeah training specific aims are very similar um so that's why you can often find that we'll have we, we won't put say let's say we'll look at the strict pull-up we won't put strict pull-ups into the program for 12 weeks say but we'll be doing lots of other movements that will pull them from that and then when they go to test their strict pull-ups they suddenly yeah. better at it yeah um and that's purely because of the very nature of the movement patterns which i think becomes harder with I think you've got to be so dedicated to do yeah. try, which is why it's quite inspiring seeing you guys come in and come and get after it because um, with your training you have to be so dedicated to that because it's yeah. so specific to what you need to get yeah. but I think um, definitely I think one of the big things take away from having you guys in now as well and seeing you work out is that there's little snippets of workload that are a little bit different that yeah. can really help them when they right. get be more efficient yeah and it's it's just making keeping it fun and keeping it a bit different kind of takes away some of that you know monotony as well mm. I think is kind of keeping it interesting keeping the athletes engaged you know, and, and still kind of enjoying what they're doing while they're working out is 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 great to see. What keeps um what keeps them engaged when they're like just on there, say in competition season, or when they're just doing all their high volume training? So I, I guess what keeps them focused is 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 the actual race is is progressing. So we every eight weeks we have like a, a sort of a testing week on the swim and um 
on the on, on the track or or some kind of you know whether we they do a park run or whatever 5k time trial so we're trying more and more to kind of build up a bit of a um a history of, of progress we've done it for swimming for for years and we've got you know we could go back three or four years of how how and that's kind of helping in in terms of uh, engaging them to, to sort of hit those numbers um it kind of works either way because when they hit the numbers good then it's it's a very positive but when they don't quite hit the numbers sometimes you've got to deal with the negative side yeah and, and they feel that they're not progressing or they've plateaued and then you've got to kind of look back and see what it is in their in their training week or, or how they're training what could or could couldn't be working for them and kind yeah. of adapting that um some have one-to-one coaches uh, external from the club and and obviously we try and make the club uh the, the club sessions sort of open and, and available to everyone that's kind of one of the key philosophies that we've had is that you know we, we try and sit and it's very that's why i like the, the crossfit model is that everyone's welcome and is there's not an elitist kind of um setup or anything like that and you know egos are left at the door and you everyone kind of gets on with everyone and, and people appreciate you know people are trying to better themselves and, and that's just fantastic to see. yeah in terms of what drives them i think is heading towards those races so i often say around about now is get your race plan kind of set up for the new year so going into january you know that you're gonna if you've got a specific race distance coming sort of eight weeks out of that you want to be testing not that exact race distance but you want to be sort of maybe half of that so if you're doing an ironman you want to be targeting a an iron a half ironman so yeah. you know sort of maybe eight weeks out and and you would then do that and then, then you go into your final block of sort of specific training for that particular race yeah um and that kind of keeps them focused i i, I love the idea of racing because one it kind of tests them without having to test them if you know what i mean a lot of them kind of shy away so if we have a testing day at the pool um you know the numbers drop off because people are uncomfortable with being tested some are yeah um and but racing is is great kind of feedback for how the training plan is going for us so as soon as the only problem is we don't know until april once race season opens up how well winter training has gone do you know yeah, what i mean so, yeah um but with triathlon a lot of the guys are kind of that they walk through the door because they want to they want to have a go at triathlon so the the sort of motivation stuff is is kind of already naturally inbuilt in you know once they've made the decision to do to go for it, it yeah then then it's it's it, that's not too much of an issue um really for for that i think it's numbers based as well in terms of it's, it reminds me in terms of what's really really brought people into like this gym fitness is because it, you can quantify everything so you yeah. can number of things so easily and like, I definitely when I've, I first met obviously Stuart is one of the triathletes uh, that comes here he is numbers 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 yeah. so everything he wants to look at is his numbers and um, I've definitely learned a lot from him in terms of seeing how he tracks and wants to measure every right. single little thing okay. and it's a little bit like CrossFitters and, but the counteractions that like you said there is when they do come to test something sometimes they get eaten up if they don't improve yeah and it's a massive thing that we definitely all the coaches have spoken about lots and deal with because there's so many different things that affect whether they're going to do well or not yeah and educating them to understand that is really difficult because obviously 
they want to see themselves improving yeah. and sometimes when they don't it's really really hard to deal with isn't it yeah absolutely we've we've done loads of work with them in terms of building people's headspace to understand that if you just continue to always improve you well it's impossible you yeah. can't you're going to yeah. get points where you don't and there's obviously lots of different facets of why but if you continue to improve at such a, like, a crazy rate and didn't stop, that's when like you're going to get injured yeah. or or there's something that's going on that shouldn't be. Yeah, so we try and encourage the, uh, the likes of using uh, monitoring tools like Training Peaks or Strava or Garmin Connect to actually not only monitor um, sort of your training load through the week, but also your uh, training stress. Yeah. So you get a different score for how... There's a couple of different kind of lines that plot depending on what your what you know your intensity, um, various kind of metrics that the, the software uses. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the key ones to, for for us to monitor is is that fatigue line and, and knowing when it's time for you know rest week or recovery. You know, and, and, and making sure that's equally as important as planning the sessions is planning the 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 recovery. Yeah, yeah. I yeah I hear on that one. I completely agree. There's um. There's loads and loads of different things. Do you mean like when they measure themselves in the morning, they track their heart rate, they can see uh, how their fatigue level sits? Or? No, so we actually, there's a piece of software that will actually, there's some calculations based on on intensity that will actually track, it's called Train and Stress Score. Yeah. So there's a piece of software from an American company called Train Peaks, um, and every session gets a score. So it gets like a, a fitness score. So... And basically, the software will plot two lines. One is your kind of fitness based on 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 your fitness score, and the other one is your fatigue score. So um, obviously, as your fitness goes up, so does your fatigue, and it's just kind of knowing how much you can back off. So um, let's just say if I was coaching uh, someone, and and I, you know, let's say they went off to Mallorca, or some of them guys do for like a full training week. Yeah. So they have a week off work, go and do training week. They're 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 going to have a massive kind of spike in in fitness in terms of this the way this software works, but their their fatigue levels are going to kind of rocket as well. Right? Yeah. So when you come back or when you see it, it's like clearly okay, guys, you need to have like a, um you need to have almost like a week of very easy training, yeah. lots of rest, lots of sleep, and the fitness line will drop very the fitness line will drop very um, gradually but the fatigue line will drop very quickly with yeah. rest because the way that the numbers are calculated so yeah it but it's kind of a, it, it's it's different for different people because some people then become fixated by this and kind of just follow this sort of performance chart so they rather go yeah. and feel even if they if the chart says they're not tired, then they're not tired. But you know, some of them are clearly, you know, you can see from the numbers that they're they're starting. Yeah, to yeah. So yeah, it's kind of just then saying, look, guys, you know, I don't care if you feel that you need to do this session. What I think as a coach is that you need to not do it, and yeah. you're going to gain more from not doing it, and allow those adaptions to happen by recovering. Um, and then start again and, and so we follow like a, almost like a lightning bolt so you overload and then drop off and then overload and then drop yeah, off so yeah so that's exactly what we do yeah. call way loading yeah yeah because you can never so you keep um, going you just be yeah. superman you know yeah. everyone would be wouldn't they yeah <laughs> yeah so that's what we call we call it wave loading right. so we'll, we'll we'll periodize someone into doing something really well yeah. we'll then let them drop off a little bit and yeah. actually their performance will decrease yeah. but during those values we'll work on other metrics yeah. like movement efficiency mobility mindset yeah. and then we and build it back up yeah. and the challenge that we have constantly is building that into the program for a big general group of people yeah. but yeah I used to I was competing and training or training a lot more than I do now I used to track my HRV score yeah 
which is basically every morning it, right. it, it'd see how my central nervous system was fatigued or not and it right. and it used to give you a value like oh, a traffic yeah. light system same, same as what you got yeah. and um but you're right you can end up living by that yeah. and you and actually exactly what i'm trying like i've been talking to Stu about and i've always trained off feel yeah um and the more you do it the better you get at it yeah, i find yeah. you can read it really really so you, well you can listen to your body no one no one knows no coach or anybody else knows more about you than you yeah so it's like reading those signals if you you know if you feel tired then you are tired therefore mm. rest and, and, and yes yeah, it's, it's, which which i think is very very hard for a lot of people to do yeah. we we've got loads of members that would benefit from resting a little bit more recovering better yeah. but they don't because they're so fixated on thinking they need to train more yeah. in order to get better when actually they're doing the opposite yeah. they're making it a lot harder for them to improve so so it's, it, it, what we see as well is a similar thing in that it, the whole intensity management so pace management if some we've got some athletes who want to they don't feel right they don't feel that there's been any benefit in the session if they're not smashed at the yeah, end of it yeah you know they can hardly walk and then there's others so we're trying to sort of say that on some sessions you have to to get those gains we need to wind back the intensity significantly you know yeah and work, work more you see it here all the time is saying you know don't go for the don't always go for the heavy weight go for the the range of, of movement and you know there's things like that so we've got to constantly kind of try and educate to, yeah to, to, you know to get them to understand yeah I've, I've made that mistake before i've written a program before which was designed like for one or two sessions per week of super high intensity and then others where it was low intensity to allow them to recover and perform yeah. well and they come back around again and yeah a lot of members just couldn't see it or couldn't understand it and it's definitely because i didn't educate them enough into what yeah. it was happening or why um and we still have it now we have people yeah. that they want to come in and they just don't want to get smashed but yeah. they just can't it'd be <laughs> it'd be it would be brutal just smash them all the time yeah. but they wouldn't get anything from it either and, and that's where the injuries and stuff creep in isn't yeah. it because they become overtrained or, or whatever and they've done it themselves and it's it's just getting to understand easy should be easy and hard so you end up with this gray area they don't the easy is never easy and the hard is is never hard enough yes. you know so it's yeah. it's trying to get them to really back off on the easy and really go for it on the hard yes. and and yeah. not this gray area in the middle basically. yeah so yeah and can't find that right intensity that's yeah. so true that is so true so you said here about how like obviously we measure progress in terms of tracking what you've seen now is that we we do score pretty much everything you do whether yeah. it be through load yeah. reps movement time um so yeah so everything we try and do is scored so you can measure it and we've obviously Develop, we've got the app that we've developed with yeah. some of another team externally um, and that allows people to track what they're doing yeah. in terms of their training um, we've got the PB board now the PB board I initially brought in wasn't to track it was to celebrate Okay. so it's basically trying to say to people that um, celebrate every single little success that you have yeah. um, and I think that's a big one because for me personally I, in my own training I wouldn't celebrate anywhere near as much as I think looking back now that I should have done with those little mini building steps. Because yeah. I think um, what I realised was lots of athletes have the mindset, probably like you probably see with yours, where if they're not, if they don't PB their run by 10 minutes or they don't lift their more by 20 kilos, it's not a success. Or actually, if they get the same as what they had before yeah. or they improve it by a few seconds yeah. or one kilo, that is a massive success yeah, in terms of performance. All, all these small improvements make a large one, yeah. right? So over time, you should be yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so the whole idea of having like the bell to yeah. uh, and the board was to highlight that to them. So right. 
when and you know the classic one is oh well I only did this yeah. or I only got this and actually um, what I've definitely been trying to do since day one at the door is make people change people to be more positive about how they've done yeah. the way I've, you, I've started to say it to people now is actually rather than worrying so much about their numbers and the performance actually start to think about that effort level. Right. So when they've come into that session, if they hit the aims and works as they can, yeah. yes, they should be really happy with themselves and walk away from that really positive. Yeah. Um, how else do we track? We track obviously all the scores. So they'll track their lifts, their things like their gymnastic reps and movements. Mm -hmm. I think what's quite nice is they have the challenges of trying to understand and get new movements, whether it be a handstand or a pull up yeah. or a clean and jerk. So there's a technical, which a lot of people don't appreciate or themselves. They don't appreciate when their, te their, their, their technical skills are improving, which is more important than actually improving their loading or their yeah. scores or, or weights or speed. Um, and then we track, so as coaches, we'll track through knowing what that workout is supposed to elicit, so what the response is supposed to be, and we'll track that. So yeah. when we write a workout and it's supposed to be seven minutes long, and it's like three rounds of time of something, 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 we'll look at that and think, right, these people have hit that aim there. Yeah. Um, why haven't these people, have we scaled it effectively? Have we written the right program for right. them? Were they too tired? Like you said, where they just work in the gray area, they yeah. don't hit that intensity that we want them to do. Um, so that's definitely the way that we mark it off and we look at we look at their performance. Then at the start and the end of each cycle, we'll have metrics that we want to test. So it might, we only test speed, we might want to test aerobic base endurance, mm -hmm. which we can we can have them test over like twenty minutes of work yeah. really easily. Yeah. Uh, pure strength in a certain movement power would be the deadlift. Yeah. So I try and get the coach when they run their program to have a few core aims, and then we build the the base around that. So we might look at like I said deadlift, and we'll yeah. test at the start at the end, and we'll see about the see physical that. improvement over those yeah. three months. Yeah. Uh, I think for the higher level athlete, um, you might need longer than those three months because of the nature of the varied nature of the training, yeah. they're going to need to be more specific. So probably a bit like some of you athletes, you've got they're really good. Yeah. You can't be too general with those. Whereas new people that walk through the door, exactly. you can put them in the pool and have them do some basics. They're going to improve. Yeah. So the higher effort, af level athletes for us, is a lot of bit about coaching them to a higher level in sessions yeah. and making sure they are to a T getting what we want every time they come through the door. Yeah. So we're doing something similar and part of the high performance coaching program is kind of supporting those and you're absolutely right the kind of generic set isn't going to get them gb qualification you kind of need those marginal gains so we need to be looking at what is going to give us those you know those those small improvements that just change you from being non-qualifying to qualifying yeah and it's it, it you won't get that with the generic set for 134 people you know it needs to be you know we need to be looking at what their limiters are and, and taking it a bit more specific to the individual kind of you know and where the strengths and weaknesses yeah. are and that's something we'll definitely i think we're going to end up looking at in the future i don't think people have been training long enough yet with us to warrant that but yeah, yeah. um yeah the, the, that's it, it is all about the understanding what they're doing and i think gen genuinely i think it really is like making sure they understand what they're doing and buying into that why and then some of the processes yeah. like you said at the start where you said about the programming um, it's just really understanding the exact why of what we're doing and the reasoning behind it um, but yeah that's how we really like measure our, our progress yeah um, in terms of like the the varied stuff that we're trying to do now we're just trying to make it as engaging and fun as possible for members whilst hitting the right targets right. which is really really difficult it's probably the biggest challenge for us is creating balance within 
enjoying the session and making it really fun and also hitting all the different training names that we want to do and interlocking them together yeah. without it going too far one way or too far the other way mm -hmm. and we're probably in that definitely that constant battle to make sure that the sessions are engaging for the individuals because um, sometimes uh, we won't have people that come in that are super motivated and we need to build that motivation yeah. in them to want to get after it yeah sure. but that's yeah that's definitely a big thing for us and i suppose one of the things that you you were asking here was uh views on like stretching so dynamic pre-static posts yeah so yeah. i guess over the last couple of years there's been a lot of there's a lot of debate online amongst the coaching communities around um you know there are i guess there were some concepts that kind of fundamentally agree that dynamic stretching at the beginning yeah you know and but uh, yeah just interested in in in, in your opinions on 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 that um specifically i guess whether you do uh static stretching at the end of your session yeah um it's stretching in general i guess yeah so um I've done loads and loads of research in this just because I used to do everything. So like okay. I used to try everything and see what would work and what okay. wouldn't work and then go off my field. But then I realised um, it's not just what happens to me that is the right one and obviously yeah. it was different. Um, in terms of the way we treat warm-ups, um, first thing is really raising body heat. Reason we want to increase the heart rate to increase the yeah. blood flow, oxygen transport, which is basically like the, the prep in the body, but yeah. often not just prepping the body, the body, sorry, but prepping the mindset right. yeah. before they then step into that. After that, then we think about actually getting the body ready for whatever task they're going to complete. So let's say, for instance, like today's session, we were going to go into, say, squats, yeah. um, and we were going to complete some heavier weighted squats or loads. The first thing in my thought pan there is that we need to prep the muscle groups to support that load. Yeah, sure. and the way probably for us or I try and get the thought pan of is if you treat muscles a bit like play-doh yeah. we need to like get them pliable enough yeah. in order to ready to lift weight yeah. so the next thing then is movement patterns um, dynamic stretching is a great way of doing that and I think there's lots of different ways you can get to the same point yeah so uh, in terms of what we want to try and do is we want to try and work that muscle range yeah under a lighter load than what they're going to go into sure. and build them through the process. So whether we will look at air squats and we're going to start to get their quads under some load, stretching and concentric contractions, yeah. um, and then we slowly build them through some more loading. Um, Dependent on the movement task is what the warm-up will be. If they're going to be going into some really heavy, fast reps, then once they've done that, we're probably going to look at some speed work. So whether it be some, whether it be like plyometrics, yeah. whether it be some speed squats, um, something along those lines that are going to basically prep them as best as possible yeah. for their exercise. Yeah. If they're going to be going to some simple aerobic based work, then we might, depend on whether it's high impact or not, or what they're going to do, we'll prep their joints up for that. But um, a lot of it is actually, yeah, that's that's exactly what we do. And it all stems back to, there's a few different variations of doing it, yeah. whether you do some different holds, um, lots of speed work, dynamic stretching, yeah. all of it goes towards the same task, which is trying to make yeah. sure they perform the best as possible. Yeah. Post stretching, um, no, as you see, what well, we don't do, we don't do any of it. And there's option for people to do it if they, um, if they want to, yeah. but we don't tend to uh, sort of tell people to do it. Yeah. We'll let them do it. If they yeah, so and then the floor is left kind of open, and, and and you see that some will regularly go into doing stretching yeah. um, afterwards, and others don't. But. So we we include the movement class. Yeah. which is an opportunity for us to hopefully help people with their range of motion. The best way of thinking about it, and probably actually for quite a few of your athletes as well, is um, when muscles are weak or they're not used very much, they go tight because yeah. they're trying to protect themselves from tearing, hurt themselves, yeah. whatever you get like that. So they get tight. So you'll find that some people say, 
talk about their hamstrings. Hamstrings are really tight because they're not used very much. You might get some of your quad dominant athletes that have got some yeah. really tight hamstrings. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've gone really tight. Um, and the problem is now, if we do lots of static stretch on that muscle group, we're now stretching a really tight muscle, yeah, which is, yeah, which is all of a sudden we're making it even weaker by stretching it. So it's more likely to get injured. So what we want to try and do really is actually increase range of motion through some kind of tension. So teaching the muscle to actually work in the tension is yeah. really, really important for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so hamstrings, say really weak hamstrings, things like Romanian deadlifts really light yeah we're really going to work at their right end range and make them hold some support some kind of load then bring them back in again yeah it's going to be more beneficial for that athlete than just having them do some static hamstring stretching right so um, that's where the movement class comes in to try and get them to understand that range of motion the needs for range of motion Mm -hmm. um but i suppose range of motion and attention because you can have athletes and members or you might have some of your traffic that are really flexible but actually they don't know how to create tension in those end range positions. Yeah, yeah, so that's absolutely. a big thing for us. So for instance, if you think about the swim stroke, when they go to reach forward, if they've got a really good overhead position where they can reach forward, if they're all loose here, yeah. they're not going to get anything from the pool yeah, in the yeah. underwater. Yeah. So the way I look at it is if they can reach right through and pull properly through the water, they're going to be more effective. So that's why we don't tell people static stretching. Okay. Um, but people might want to do that because it's good for their headspace. Yeah. So I'm all for that. Okay. Anything. So I'm all for for something that's going to get going to help them. Yeah. If I think it's going to be right, I think the problem is, and I think social media brings this out as well. It's like one way or the highway. Yeah. Which is so it's, wrong. Yeah. It's different for every single athlete. There's lots of different factors that evolve and change that, whether it be headspace, body type, yeah. recovery, work, everything mm-hmm. that comes into it. So I think so. we've done really well is we've already been open to different ideas and implementation. Yeah. Um, and I think it's on quite a specific level that and that's why we've tried to offer more in our classes now. Yeah. So we can hopefully tap into what those people need and want as well. So yeah, that's a... Uh, that's exactly how we do it, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. excellent. But um, I suppose, like, uh, I was going to ask you a question, really, which is because yeah. just to talk through your experience to say, like, your first Ironman. Okay. And, like, from yeah. start to finish the actual race and how it felt. Actually, during the race yeah, itself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so um, the first thing you notice when you do that is is you get up at serious, seriously early. So, in, in Frankfurt, is a split transition, which meant the lake that we were swimming in was about uh 20 miles outside of the city where you're staying so you have to hop on a bus so you the hotel has breakfast porridge ready for you at 1 a.m which is horrendous trying to eat porridge uh at that time but you know there's going to be a long day so you've got to fuel properly so you get up um me and a friend that 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 did it together um we all stayed at the same hotel okay and my wife and kids were there as well so kind of left them onto the bus after we tried to eat um then uh, I think the race went off, so the professionals went off um, sort of a few minutes before us. But what they had, what they didn't have at that time was a rolling start. They now have a rolling start where five people went in the water uh, yeah. at a time. When I did it, it was you. <laughs> it was um, there was seven that seven hundred people went off in the first wave, and then two and a half thousand in the next wave. Oh my wave. god, that's amazing! Right, two and a half thousand in this lake. It's all going at the same time. All going at the same time. So Hooter goes off, and you're all just so it is. But they talk about a washing machine, and if you've seen it, it's just crazy. You've just got you know people swimming over the top of each other, and it's really frantic until it stretches out. And yeah, you get, and that's what I was saying. When you get some some clear water to swim in, so. The swim was was great. Um, out of the swim, 
Um, so you do two loops, you do sort of, I think it's 2K, then you do what they call as an Australian exit. So you come out of the water, you run about 50 meters out and then sort of dive back in and then you do the other 1800 meters swim. So by that time, the field has stretched. So you've got a much better chance to swim, you know, swim a, a better, probably a negative split. So you actually swim the second half of the swim faster than the first because it's not so frantic. Yeah. Um, then um, onto the, out into transition, wetsuit off, um, in, onto the bike. Uh, the bike course was phenomenal and you absolutely love Frankfurt because it, it felt like you're in the Tour de France. The streets are lined with people. There's the couple of hills, one's called Heartbreak. They always have a Heartbreak Hill in Ironman, <laughs> whatever it is, it, they call it Heartbreak Hill. And generally what happens is the all the, the spectators actually line the hill and you, you've seen it on the TV with the Tour de France. You actually ride ride up through a channel of supporters shouting and screaming at you. Oh, that's awesome! And it's it's just amazing, such an amazing experience. Never experienced anything like it, um, and, and probably won't again. But it was it was it was phenomenal. Um, so it was a two loop course, ninety k uh, out out around Frankfurt. Then you come back through the city and then back out again for another ninety k. Just another ninety k. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then you uh, you did ditch the bike T uh, two transition two and get your trainers on in a changing tent, and then you're off along the river, um, pretty much up and down the river in Frankfurt uh, for the half marathon. I think it's four loops of ten point five k. Yeah. And each time you do a ten and a half k, you get like a coloured band. So as you're running and you're running rounds and you're seeing people, how many you're always looking to see how many who's got what oh, bands okay, on, see where you're <laughs> yeah. you standing. Um, yeah, but there, it, it was a really warm day when we did it. It was about thirty-two degrees C. So there were some people who were going really hard, kind of struggling with heat exhaustion. Yeah. Um, I got after the first half marathon, so around twenty, just twenty-one, twenty-two k. I got really bad cramp in my quads, hamstrings. Everything started going. And uh, it probably was down to not having enough electrolytes. Yeah. So it was it was kind of a learning curve for me. Uh, I'm, I sweat quite a lot, so it, I was losing a lot of water and a lot of salts, and not so I was replacing the water, but not actually sort of taking on the isotonic drinks that they were offering. Um, and yeah, it became a, a bit more of a survival after that. And so the second half of the marathon was 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 quite was quite a challenge um with cramp and at one point i wasn't sure i was going to finish the race i had to stop and then really kind of stretch out because my coach had said you know this happens because it happened to me on a half marathon okay so i was kind of aware that i probably didn't have my nutrition on point in terms of you know the salt replacements and that kind of stuff and probably what i'm going to do before my next one is actually go there's there's a place in at silverstone um, and they do like a proper sweat test okay so, so they can give you they can guide you on not only what water you need to be taking in per hour but how much sort of salt so, sodium magnesium and getting those getting those salt replacements correct um, so I'm going to give that a try um, but yeah and then coming in to finish um, so I got round um, and, and came in to finish Katie um, and my two kids, Rory and Drew, were there uh, mm. to finish and to run through the channel. Everyone's lights were going, lasers and all that. And it was the most amazing experience, yeah, just to kind of run along that red carpet and, and finish and get you. And then you're led off to what's called an athlete village where they check you over, make sure you're okay. 
um, and feed you and get massages and all that kind of stuff. So the whole experience was yeah. just just something else, you know, and for both of us to finish. I finished in 13 hours, 50, 13 hours and 55. So, I, you know, for my first one, I was quite kind of, that was kind of where my coach kind of said I would probably land, probably lost a bit of time with the, the cramp. cramp yeah. So, um, yeah, so I was really quite, quite pleased with that. And then as we went to get the bikes and that, and the thunder, and there was like this mad squall came in and <laughs> yeah, it was, but it was amazing how it held off until the race finished. But it was it was something else. It it was really a highlight of of, of anything I've done in sport. Was, That's awesome. Was to finish that and and have the family all there with me as well. Was, and now you've done four of them now. Now I've done four. Yeah. And have you got any? Are you going to have some more coming up? Yeah. So I got one next year in um in Sweden. So I'm going to a place called Kalmar in Sweden. Um. So that will be my fifth one. And then the year after that was a group of lads, Chris and those guys, uh, some of them who are down there today we've because it'll be my 50th year and and that's i'm going to do one more like <laughs> okay that. and that's i'm going to call time on the long distance yeah um but yeah so that that will be in austria so we're looking to kind of already start saving up for that so there's a kind of like a group of us a group of that's uh, amazing from the club who will go and that'll be my 50th i'll be 50 in 2020 so um yeah and then i think i'll i'll draw it that'll be six so if i get if i get through the next two that will be six completed and that's amazing yeah yeah, yeah. and then yeah so thank you very much uh, Darren for coming on to the podcast, uh, really appreciate your time and insights into lots of things which especially CrossFitters and functional fitness athletes probably haven't been involved with before and I think it's quite a big thing at the minute, there's lots of CrossFitters that are starting to get involved with some more long duration training uh, in their competition off season or and in as a different kind of aspect of training which none of us usually get the opportunity to join in with and do, um, but huge insight into that stuff so I really really appreciate you coming in uh, as you see guys we sort of had an opportunity to chat there nice and relaxed for around an hour but uh, next week we are going to be talking with some of our members of staff about their introduction into CrossFit and um, we're going to be having some members in as well and talking about their introduction so I think if you're a coach or an affiliate owner or a gym owner I highly recommend that you uh, take a listen to the next few weeks of podcast because it's going to give you a good insight into not just our perspectives as a coach or an owner um, but actually the members walking through the door on day one so thank you for listening guys and we'll uh we shall speak to you next week